Hey everybody, Scott here. Um, in our last po- in this podcast of Film for Thought, I do mention uh, some spoilers in the film. So if you don't want Thor Ragnarok to be spoiled for you, go ahead and move to a minute marker minute marker 11 and you will bypass all the Thor spoilers and then if you want to bypass all the spoilers Thor and Justice League you would just need to set your um you just need to go to minute marker uh 22 to bypass all of them and listen to the discussion on just the future of comic book films so thank you so much for listening and enjoy the show on this episode of the Scott Simon Podcast, we'll be uh, reliving an old segment of a Film for Thought. We'll be looking at not only the Justice League movie, but even Thor Ragnarok. And with those two films, we'll also discuss our comic book uh, movies uh, dying out, or are they going to continue to thrive uh, into many, many years uh, later. So stay tuned and listen right here on the Scott Simon Podcast. Dad's a futurist, mom's nostalgic Both seem like distractions to avoid what's happening Remember the moment personality split Heard a banging on the walls doing the best to forget And the mind is a terrible thing to waste Good morning ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Scott Seven Podcast My name is Scott and uh, today we're going to be uh, revisiting an old segment I used to do called uh, Film for Thought Now if you're a new listener and you haven't heard, don't know about Film for Thought, basically what I do is I watch a movie and I talk about some of the themes uh, that kind of focus on any religious themes, uh, psychological themes, uh, any type of themes that the movie may produce. Because when we look at um, film as an art form, a lot of times the director, the writer um, will add and within their films, some type of theme or some type of messages uh, for us. Sometimes they're what the director intends, but also we kind of think about, you know, just like any art from music to even paintings. You know, so many times interpretation is based on the person who's viewing it. And especially when it comes to film, sometimes when we watch film, there may be some themes that that we may interpret it from a psychological standpoint or from a religious standpoint. We may see uh, some of these themes in film. So as we are um, looking at these uh, films, the first one I want to focus on is Thor Ragnarok. Now I know Thor Ragnarok has done very successful uh, in the movies. It has done, um, I think it's done a lot better than the first two Thor movies. Um, don't know about the first two Thor movies combined, but at least uh, they're doing good. And um, and there's no exception with Thor Ragnarok. Like, like I remember watching that movie, and it was absolutely um, fantastic. It's probably the best, probably the best Thor movie uh, out of the two. Like, I really liked the first one. Uh, the second one, eh. But this third one really just kind of blows everything out of the water. Um, so I really liked uh, this movie. Uh, but so again, um, at this point, I'm going to um, throw in some spoilers. So if you have not seen Thor Ragnarok, um, 
you know, just uh, hold off on listening to this podcast or you can kind of skip past this segment and I'll have some type of, I'll have to remind myself to add some type of um, soundbite later at the beginning of the podcast to let you know uh, when I'm done with each segment so you can kind of listen to um, the rest of the podcast without spoiling anything. Um, so when we look at Thor Ragnarok, uh, kind of the base of this movie is that, you know, Thor has to basically, uh, fight for, um, the survival and for the Asgardian race. Uh, we kind of see, um, um, Hela, who's played by Kate Blanchett, who is Thor and Loki's, well, technically Thor's sister, since Loki's kind of a half-child, um, but we see that she's set out to really destroy Asgard. Um, so when we look at this film, Thor is trying to fight and to kind of save Asgard, the whole entire um, civilization of Asgard. And that has become the focus of the film. And that's kind of the driving force on why Thor is going through all these different things is to basically build an army of warriors to try to fight against Hela so that he can save um, Asgard. But when we start getting towards the end of the movie, there's this theme that kind of takes place that, that Asgard's not a place, it's a people. And when I heard that statement, it really makes me think about the church in a way. So many times when we think about church, we think of it as the location. You know, if I'm the pastor of the Stanton First Church of God, then I'm talking about where the church is located in the city of Stanton at a specific mailing address in a specific building. And I work, and I do things, and I get uh, paid, and I do ministry, uh, and, I'm a, and I'm a representative of the Stanton First Church of God, the church. But when we look throughout the scripture, we see that the church wasn't a building. A church wasn't necessarily a location, it was the people. And even when we look at the letters of Paul and Peter and John, or the epistles, uh, we see that, you know, they're writing to the church at Ephesus. That wasn't like a specific like building, but it was just two Christians that lived in Ephesus. Um, and then that letter would get circulated around to all the other Christians because people would just meet in homes. But really, there wasn't this idea of, there wasn't necessarily this idea of like certain groups. It was more of just, there was just one thing that we are a church based upon, we are a church based upon um, our relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's what kind of makes us Christians is because we have recognized and accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But then we also kind of see that we are followers of him. We do what he commands. We do what he tells us to do, which is to go and make disciples of all nations. Uh, so that's what makes a Christian, not necessarily 
And that's really what makes the church too, is it's just a group of Christians that's unified as Christ the head. So obviously when you think about, you know, people who are fighting or people who are doing everything to kind of protect their church or to do things for the church, most of the times people always talk about their location or their building. Uh, but we have to kind of think outside of that because, you know, especially in our current culture now where we see uh, Christianity is kind of on the decline, especially in America, and we see churches that are dying off, and it's kind of a very traumatic process, especially for if anyone's ever been part of a church who, that has closed, you know, there's kind of that like, oh, we're leaving, and you know, we had memories attached to this building. We've had certain things attached to the seats and to the altar and to certain things. And, you know, I can remember being like when I was first candidating, when I was first trying to find a pastoral job, I remember this one person told me like, you know, this is the church that I got married in. And she said, you know, at this altar right here, that's where I gave my life to Christ. And, you know, and there's certain parts within this building that has a lot of great memories. And I think even when we looked at Thor Ragnarok, you know, when you think about the Asgardian civilization, you know, there's a lot of memories to their homes, uh, to everything. But when it comes to survival, you know, we have to kind of think outside of the materialistic realm and really think of, well, what makes us Asgardian? What makes us a church? And that's mainly because we're a people. It's Jesus. It's not the brick and mortar. It's not the lumber. It's not the carpet. It's Jesus Christ that makes us a church. So I thought that was very, um, you know, one of the themes I've kind of pulled out of Thor Ragnarok. Um, so then another movie I saw during the week was I saw the movie Justice League. Now, when we look at the movie Justice League, however, um, you know, people ask me, well, is it worth going seeing in the theater? Um, and I would say no. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing about Justice League. Like, if I look at, you know, is Justice League better than... Batman vs. Superman. Yes, a hundred times better than Batman vs. Superman. Batman vs. Superman was just a mess of a movie. Um, didn't really have a clear conscious plot, except let's just have Superman and Batman beat each other up. Um, then you kind of added all this um, messiness with, you know, kind of introducing the characters that we would see in the Justice League movie. And, and that's kind of the thing, like, and I know when Batman vs. Superman came out, one of the biggest criticisms that people would say to me is like, well, there's going to be another movie. There's going to be the Justice League movie. So that's why it was so bogged down with all these different uh, sidelines and storylines and everything. And, and, and I understand that. But you have to also remember with film, film has to be its standalone product. I mean, if you look at the... I mean, if you take an example from the Marvick Cinematic Universe, you know, each film is its own standalone movie. Um, and then everyone kind of 
jumps into it, but you have all this backstory from having the Hulk movie uh, to having the Iron Man movie to the Thor movie to the Captain America movie that when you begin to throw these characters into one big film like the Avengers, everything kind of makes sense, you know, and that's the thing, like a lot of times, especially with the MCU, um, is that they leave little drops of things that's acknowledging future films, future movies. And that's kind of where we see all that, where it seemed like with Batman vs. Superman, they just kind of built this, took a lot of time to kind of add these big raindrops. But it's almost like here, this is a lake, but I'm looking at a puddle, and I don't know how this puddle is going to connect to the lake. Um, so that's kind of the issue that I have with Batman vs. Superman is that, you know, even though there's a second movie, you have to have a good first movie. And I believe, like, you know, a lot of people liked it, but I know critics hated it. I think it sits at like a 22% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, so then when it comes to Justice League, um, there's this film, there's this idea of, you know, if you went and saw Justice League and didn't see any of the other films, you didn't see Superman, you didn't see Wonder Woman, you didn't see Batman vs. Superman, um, it has a constant plot, you can follow it, and everything wraps up nicely. If you saw Batman vs. Superman, and you go see this movie, a lot of the loose ends are tied up very nicely, um, and even kind of leaves those little like breadcrumbs that kind of spawn other uh, films and connections. Um, but kind of the issue with kind of the issue I see with the DCU, what they're having issues now is they're trying to play catch up to the juggernaut that's Marvel. And when you're trying to play catch up, there's a lot of mistakes and you can kind of clearly see some of these mistakes in this film and I know some of the people are criticizing well the Josh Whedon reshoots messed up the movie but I feel like DC you fans are always blaming and defending um, a not so great product um, or people say well it's darker it's not campy like Marvel but you know even though it's a darker tone you can still make a great movie Christopher Nolan did it with the Batman Begins trilogy um, so it's possible, but this just seems like a mess. It, it is, it's a mess, but it is viewable. But I can tell you that sitting in the theater watching it, there was parts where I was bored, that I was very, very bored with the film. Um, there was parts that excited me. And then there's parts where literally I'm looking at my phone because I'm bored to death and I usually don't do that when I watch a movie. I usually try to stay focused. Um, so enough about Justice League. Let's get into the film for thought segment. Um, but one of the interesting things that we kind of see um, in this movie is we kind of see this world without hope. We see a world without hope because of uh, Superman. Superman kind of was this beacon of hope to Earth as somebody who um, was there to watch over them, to protect them. And even when we look at the Superman comics 
and just kind of this idea that Superman's kind of a very messianic figure in a way. He's the savior of Earth. He's the savior of humanity. He's but he's not from this world. He's from an entirely different world. Uh, we can kind of see the similarities of you know, of Jesus not being from this world, but yet he provided hope for all humanity as he came to this world, which especially with December coming up, this is why we have the holiday or the season of Christmas or Advent to celebrate the arrival of the Christ child. Um, but when we look at the movie of, uh, of Justice League, you kind of see this world that's hopeless, um, from the way people talk to this looming threat from Stephen Wolf and his army to even just the scenery, like even some of the scenery in the movies, very dark, um, very gloomy, which kind of gives you that, um, idea of this is a world without hope because hope is dead, you know, Superman's dead. So you see kind of this unified force, this Justice League, get together to kind of help bring back hope uh, to humanity, bring back hope to the earth. And, um, and, and you see them working in ways to really try to restore hope to the world. And again, you know, spoilers and everything. Um, so then we see them, you know, they try to do it on their own, but they're failing. They're not doing it. So then their thing is basically to try to restore or resurrect uh, Superman, who's dead. And they were able to do that. And now Superman's back. And that's kind of uh, the interesting thing because you kind of see... You know, them trying to fight Steppenwolf before he gets his big old army. And even like kind of where Steppenwolf is setting up his base is really in a place of hopelessness. It's in an old um, Soviet town that had a nuclear base. Everything is just devoid of life. So really, if you think about a movie or a humanity without hope, this would be it. And you had people there who are basically kind of living in ruins. Um, but yet we begin to see hope come back. We begin to see uh, this group of people working together to help bring hope back into a hopeless place. Um, and even we see the return of Superman and him just um, beating the tar out of Snef Steppenwolf. And then we kind of see, um, you know, this idea of that threat coming away and then hopes coming back into, into the world. And it's very... It is very wonderful and it's very great um, to see. But one of the things that I liked the most about was at the very end of the movie, and I'm going to be spoiling the end of the movie, so definitely cut this part, um, pass forward this part. But there's this part in the movie where there's these big like vines that are shooting out that are kind of ravaging and destroying. Um, they're going to spread out from this place and really destroy the world. But then after Stefan was leaves and, you know, the um, enemy threat's gone, these vines that represent uh, death and destruction and hopelessness started to grow vegetation. You started to see life uh, come back into, see life come back into, um, into the world again. You saw vegetation, especially in this area that was 
had no vegetation and low life due to the nuclear plant, now is gleaming with life. And that kind of shows a symbol of hope being restored back into the world. And even kind of with each of the individual characters as they're um, kind of having their like closure moments, you kind of see at the beginning there is this hopelessness with each of the characters, but now you're kind of seeing this hope again. And I think that's kind of something we could uh, take is that, you know, we kind of see the Advent season as this arrival of hope into our world through Jesus Christ. But we also have to remember that it's not just Christ alone, but it's Christ and his followers that bring hope, just like the Justice League were trying to bring hope back into this hopeless world. And sure, we may not see ourselves as the Batmans or the Wonder Womans or the Flash or the or the Cyborgs or or anybody of that nature, but each of us as humans has a part to restore hope into the world that we live in. And even though it may be a little gesture of hope, a little bit of hope goes a long way. And, you know, kind of the challenge that I've given my church, especially this Advent season, is how can you instill hope in someone that you come in contact with? And maybe it just might be giving them a hug. It could just be paying for their gas. It could just be um, just just helping them out or just saying to someone, hey, you matter, or telling someone you love them. Like, you know, there's these little things, but these little things go a long way to instill hope in people's life. And I think that's the lesson uh, that I was able to learn through watching the Justice League movie, that it's not just this big messianic force that's going to automatically provide hope, but but it's this messianic figure through Christ that inspires us, that challenges us to continue to pour hope into the world, in the communities that we live in. So that is my uh, film for thought for, um, for Justice League. So now we get to the point where um, I want to talk about these superhero movies. And these superhero movies since 2008 have just been um, on fire. Actually, I think it's before then because, hold on, I'm trying to think. But yeah, but right now about mid-2000s is kind of, yeah, it's the mid, around the mid-2000s is when we started to see kind of this um, birth of the um, comic book movie uh, with both the Dark Knight uh, trilogy, Christopher Nolan's films, to um, the Thor movies, to even when we look at television from Walking Dead to the DC stuff that's on the CW, um, we see um, we see kind of a lot of these um, this insurgence, and even not only that, but even just like comic inspired. I mean, I mean, you can even see some of the more obscure ones like uh, Kick Ass and um, and Sucker Punch. You kind of see in Watchmen and um, Sin City. You kind of see a lot of these different, um, a lot of these different. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, you know, you see a lot of saturation of these comic book 
uh, television shows and movies. Like even now, like my wife and I watch The Inhumans and we're watching The Gifted. And then on who since we have Hulu, we've been watching Marvel's Runaways. And that's been very interesting. And we've really enjoyed that. And then I've been watching The Punisher on Netflix. So you really see that there's a lot of these uh, comic book adaptations into film into um, and into television. And I guess the question I ask is, you know, are we getting to the point where we're getting burned out with these uh, comic book films and men movies? Are we in television? Are we, I mean, are we getting to the point where we're going to kind of see a decline in these? And even talking with, um, even reading an article, I think it's, um, <laughs> excuse me, I believe it's, um, Oh, I'm trying to think of his name. Kevin Feig, or I think if I butchered his last name, I'm sorry, but Kevin Feig, who's kind of the um, Marvel Studios head, you know, he's kind of talking about, you know, what's next because, you know, they have all these, they have all these films, especially Phase 1, Phase 2, Phase 3, and then you kind of see um, Marvel's, um, you know, Avengers Infinity War Parts 1 and Part 2 kind of being the close of that chapter. Because you're kind of seeing, like, you know, a lot of these characters that we know um, are kind of going to be phased out. And I think phased out not necessarily because of... Um, not because, you know, people are tired of them, but I think they're being phased out due to... Um, being phased out due to, you know, people are getting older. I mean, can Robert Downey Jr. still do Iron Man? I'm sure he can, but you've kind of seen him doing more of these cameo and supporting roles than actually having his own um, standalone film. Um, we also kind of see uh, contract disputes because anytime when you're trying to do something and an actor's doing something or staying that same character, you know, there's always the thing of money, you know, and that sometimes that kind of bogs down everything. And I think sometimes with per certain contracts, you know, you say, hey, we want you to play this character for, you know, a five film deal playing Iron Man and we need you to do that. And but then when there's but once those five years are up, when that contract is done, then you kind of have to say, okay, do we renew a contract? And contract renewals mean more money. It means more planning. And sometimes you get into this thing where um, where you start to kind of see some of these characters that we have loved are going to start disappearing. We may see the Captain America. Uh, Chris Evans may not play Captain America anymore. And we may not see another Captain America movie for a while, um, you know, Thor's in the same boat, um, you know, even, even side characters like Black Widow and Hawkeye, um, and Pepper Potts, uh, you know, those are people that we may say, and even the Hulk, those may be, um, people that we're going to kind of say they're going to kind of leave because they want to go and do other films and other adventures and, you know, they want to kind of break away, so their contracts come up, they may not come back or sign another contract to do any more of these comic book movies. So I think, and I think as um, 
Kevin Feig, as he was talking about it, he was kind of saying, you know, that they have to kind of um, plan things in a way that's really going to kind of help some of these newer characters that we're seeing, like the Black Panther, um, Ant-Man, and even... um, and even um, Spider-Man now, you know, that they're going to kind of be like those transition pieces that we start introducing new characters like Captain Marvel. Uh, so there's a lot of, um, so there's a lot of things that we really have to uh, think about when it comes to it. Because if right now, since comic book movies are hot, and that's kind of the um, entertainment talk is, you know, always strike while the iron's hot. So they're going to continue to keep pushing out these films. And I think in a way on the DC Universe side, with especially with their films, um, you know, I think that's why they continue to strike why the iron's hot because they want to see, they want to kind of get on that money train. Because right now Marvel's kind of been this juggernaut because of the careful planning that they've been doing since 2008 to create this cinematic universe. And DC's kind of late to the train, so they're kind of trying to hurry things up. And I think um, that's kind of been a... um, And I think that's kind of been the Achilles heel for uh, DC is that they're kind of playing catch-up. And even though these films are kind of doing very mediocre... I think Warner Brothers uh, producers are still saying, let's keep doing it, let's keep going, even though we're not, you know, even though we're breaking even or barely making our money back, we're going to keep doing it because eventually um, we're going to kind of see this rise. And maybe, you know, I'm trying to think business from a business person's perspective that when there's that transition piece after Infinity War, you know, that might be the hole that DC needs to be able to kind of kind of get back on top. Because if we look at comic book films um, before 2005, um, we kind of see DC um, saturating it with, um, with Shazam, which I know is a bad movie. But even the Batman movies from uh, Tim Burton and Joel Schumacher, like, you know, you see those... Um, those Batman films that kind of were uh, money makers uh, back in the uh, you know late eighties in the nineties, uh, you see those. So here's kind of so here's kind of what we can think about um, when it comes to these comic book movies. Are they good? Yeah, and as long as you know people are still buying into the films, and as long as um, they're making money. We could probably see comic films, uh, films based on comic books, um, kind of go and kind of be basically a staple into, um, into the American cinema life. But if we begin to, and that's kind of the hard thing about a producer because you have all these films that are kind of on the lead. Like even right now, I'm looking at just upcoming movies from Marvel, and it's like you know, in 2018 we have. Uh, Black Panther, uh, Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and Wasp, and then in 2019 we have Captain Marvel, Infinity War Part 2, and Spider-Man Homecoming 2. So you kind of already see, like, within the next two 
in, in the next year, in the next two years, there's going to be six comic book movies from Marvel, and that's not including the ones that DC is going to put out, and then even any of the other side ones um, from different companies that they may uh, produce. So we're kind of seeing that um, that yeah, they're going strong, but there might be a time, especially when we depending on how um, how Infinity War does. Um, that there may be a time where it could be on the decline. And especially for us who are big fans of the comic book movies, um, what are we going to do about that? Um, how are we going to try to um, keep these films going, especially if they're good quality films? Because even the biggest fan of comic books, if a movie is bad, um, they're not going to pay money to see it even if it is their favorite superhero. I mean, if there's a bad, if, if the Batman movie that's supposed to be uh, coming out um, turns out to be a stinker, then that's going to be very disappointing. And that's going to probably turn some just casual fans of the genre to even diehard fans of the genre is going to turn people away because they're putting out bad products. But at least it seems like since since the Iron Man, and or actually since Batman begins in 2005, there has always been good quality storytelling, production value, and entertainment that keeps people uh, wanting to come back for more. So I would like to hear your opinion on this. Do you think? Do you think that? Um, do you think that these uh, comic book movies are starting to die out? Do you think that they're going to continue to be strong? How long will they stay strong? And my last question I'd like to ask is, um, what movie or what comic book adaptation would you like to see made? And you can go ahead and you, I would like to hear your responses. You can respond on my webpage, thescottstedman.com. You could also respond on my Facebook page. Um, just do a search for The Scott Stedman Podcast. Uh, feel free to subscribe or like my uh, page. Uh, usually I'll try to put some stuff on there too. And just continue this conversation. And I know personally, probably the one, the one comic book adaptation that I would like to see made uh, would either be Saga and The Wicked and the Divine. Like, I really enjoyed those uh, recent comics that have come out. I really enjoyed those. So that's what I would like to see, uh, whether it's a TV show, whether it's a miniseries, whether it's a film. I would like to see those adapted. All right, guys. And um, before I kind of close out, um, you know, you may say, like, wow, you saw... Thor Ragnarok and the Justice League in a week. You must have spent a lot of money on those, especially with ticket prices being up to ten, eleven, twelve dollars a pop. You know, that could be a very expensive outing. However, recently I ended up buying a movie pass. And you may have heard of Movie Pass over the summer. Um, the guy who kind of created Netflix created Movie Pass, which basically you pay a subscription and you go out and you can see movies in the movie theater. Well, one of the interesting things is in the summer, they reduced the price to $9.95 a month, and you can go to the movie theater, and you can watch a movie um, every 24 hours. So basically one movie a day, and you only pay $9.95 a month. 
Now you're thinking, oh, okay, you know, that might be a good deal. Well, it is a good deal because my Thor Ragnarok ticket was $10.50. So already me paying $9.95 was worth it. And then with me seeing a Justice League movie, and then me possibly within the next coming week, I'm going to go see the movie Coco. Um, There, I mean, it works. And it's absolutely wonderful. And again, and even kind of the process of how it works is, is a little tricky at first. But once you get the hang of it, it actually is pretty good. And I know for me, especially having two younger kids, you know, I have a card, I'll go see a movie by myself when my wife watches the kids. And then if my wife wants to go out, I'll give her my movie pass card. And then she can go and she can watch a movie of her choosing why I watch the kids. So we kind of are, we're trying to work out the details a little bit more of that. But again, if you are a film lover, and you like to go see movies, and you don't mind going seeing a movie by yourself, because right now it's only just an individual, um, card so they don't have like a family plan let yet in the works that can kind of incorporate your entire family um but when you think about that you know it's a pretty good deal and especially if you're into especially getting into the academy awards season um you know that's a great time to have a movie pass because then you can try to watch some of these films that are going to be nominated for all these awards and then uh, kind of catch up and even make your own choice if you know if everyone was right that this movie should won Best Picture, or you would have picked another one. But again, that is Movie Pass, and you can uh, look at more information at uh, http colon slash slash www.moviepass.com. Again, you can just go to moviepass.com. Uh, you can sign up, um, and you can just sign up. I don't have any special codes uh, to kind of give you guys, but it's worth checking out, and who knows, maybe I might get a sponsorship from them. And, um, and maybe have a code in the future, but in order to do that, if you like this podcast, please give us a review. Uh, you can find this podcast through iTunes, Google play or any other podcasting, um, any podcasting provider, you can do a search for us and you can listen to this. All right, guys, thank you so much. Again, if you like this show, please give me a good review. Uh, Leave me love on my Facebook page or on my website, thescottsemmon.com, and uh, I'll be able to, and hopefully I'll talk to you next week. All right, guys, hope you're having a wonderful week and uh, take care. Bye. Age of our fathers from sons to peers. Responsible for what we inherit. Still something tucked away deep inside Afraid of what it is I'll find